0: Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. Your weekly pep talk for living the writing life. I'm Elon. I'm John. I'm Craig. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to many writers' hearts. Uh, We're calling it, It's All Been Done Before. Or has it? Um, This idea came to me because I was working on my first ever epic fantasy project, and Um, I was excitedly telling a friend of mine about it and I gave away the ending, which I thought was really original. Um, you know, the character sacrificed themselves to save the world. Um, and my friend just looked at me and said, that's Jesus. And I was taken aback. I hadn't even occurred to me that I was rewriting that story. Um, I was a bit flummoxed by that event, to be totally honest, (laughs)
1: Well, you know, I, I could throw something in there on that. You know what? Then uh, in that case, forget about Game of Thrones. It's not original either. It's just the War of the Roses. You know, I could apply that same thing to that. I mean, told in an epic fantasy world, but what is it that makes Game of Thrones unique? Why do people, why do people go for it? Because there's the author's unique vision. So your story might be archetypally the Jesus story. But you are going to do something different and unique. And as far as I'm concerned, that's what makes a story unique is your vision and what you do with it. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, I, I, and in reference to both uh, A Song of Ice and Fire and the story that I was working on, um, something that occurred to me sometime later, and it's, and it's definitely uh, pep talky, is that there are people who believe that every story has been told, uh, in particular because of, um, you know, academic analysis of story, like uh, Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces, or you can see uh, videos of Kurt Vonnegut describing story structure uh, and drawing these clever graphs that show you um, that there's essentially a limited number of story archetypes that you can tell, um, and if if that's true, you can get into this mindset of why why should I even tell my own story? Um, because even if it's been told before, you haven't told it your way. Um, and there's definite merit to you telling it your way. Um, I mean, The Matrix ended up being kind of cheesy. I I don't know if you guys saw the third Matrix mm-hmm. film. Have you?
2: I've, I've not seen it. Okay, I've, I've seen all three. Yeah.
0: But you know what I mean? Like At the end, that's a very Jesus moment.
2: Um
0: the salute. Neo sacrifices himself. I mean the 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 Wachowski's get even a little bit heavy-handed with their uh with their metaphor by shining a cross of light through his body. Um but you know that I mean the the sequels to the Matrix and their quality notwithstanding, it mm-hmm. turns out that that story is okay to tell again and again because it's a compelling mm-hmm. story. It's a compelling narrative. Um and there are things you can change within that archetype that will provide new insight into whatever you're trying to show in your story you know it could be cool magic it could be feelings it could be both it should be both
1: yeah well in the case of the matrix um i mean it might be at at its core level um the jesus story but i mean it's also about um, you know work uh, you know um, fighting in a in a alternate reality or you know a digital reality that that is a sort of counterfeit of our experience and you've got slow motion fight scenes and gun battles and I don't remember that from the <laughs> Jesus
0: <story>. true Jesus <laughs> never did sweet bullet time stuff yeah. as, so if, at least as it's written
1: and that's what makes the matrix awesome yeah totally so actually
0: that brings up a good question which is like does fiction need to have some like message some purpose do you have to be changing the world with your book or can it just be fun to read because i think that that's where some of the stigma against uh genre fiction comes from uh
2: my yeah, I kind of went in a different way in my mind with what you just said, um, because there are a few authors that I have literally stopped reading because after I read their novel, I found out, oh, this is actually a teaching novel meant to teach me a point about their worldview that I disagree with. Um, and it wasn't just entertainment. I read to be entertained. Like if I'm reading fiction, I re- I'm reading to be entertained. I'm not reading to be Converted to a certain worldview. Um, for example, um, I used to read Frank Peretti, who used to, who is a Christian thriller author. Uh, his book, Monster, it was a decent book. I read through it, and then there was this author interview in the back, and the entire point of the book, according to the author, was to disprove evolution. Um, which, first of all. Religious arguments aside, or scientific arguments aside, I did not read that book to be taught a lesson, Um, and it really turned me off. Um, Michael Crichton did the same thing with State of Fear. That book was intended to teach people that climate change is a hoax. Uh, Yeah, and then um, Orson Scott Card wrote, um, oh, is it Lost Boy or Lost Boys? Um, it's semi-autobiographical and I believe the point of that was to, uh, other than being semi-autobiographical, it was to teach a little bit about the Mormon faith and the Mormon church. Um, which again, turned me off because I read books to be entertained.
0: That's a really good point. I mean, I, I don't think any of us really like to be talked down to in that way. And, you know, this sort of like aesop's fables mentality of of morality uh maybe it it does have a place um but to be subversive about it 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 does feel a little bit oily like you're like i don't know if i like that
2: yeah i would have been okay with it like i don't agree with all three of those points that were made um no offense to any listeners but uh, i would have been okay with that if i knew going in this is a point of the story um but to find out about that after i read the story feels a little bit like i was conned into the story like conned into being taught something i didn't necessarily want to be taught
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i i personally have struggled with this whole idea of feeling like there has to be a great purpose or like I i, I you know this it's great it's sort of like having a big burden when I come to the keyboard and write uh, or in this case i'm I'm working on a rewrite of something right now and you know uh, and at the end of the day I have to think about who my audience is what am i doing this for um is this about changing the world and how everybody thinks about the world or am i just trying to tell a story that will um, engage the people I'm telling it to. Um, one thing that really kind of helped helped me kind of see past this whole idea that there has to be this grand purpose to everything you do, it was an interview with the author Robert Jordan. Um, and uh, he was talking about, Uh, One of the readers to the Wheel of Time series who he met, uh, I guess they had contacted him, wrote him a letter. And uh, they were sick and they had terminal cancer, I think. And he went to visit them in the hospital. And they told him about how, while they went through some of their really difficult treatments earlier on to try to stop the cancer, Um, the thing that had brought them comfort was his books. Uh, they had read through all of his books and it just helped them get through that time. And when I, you know, he, he had said that that just moved him. He was, he sort of on the verge of tears in that interview when he was telling that story. And that really struck a chord for me because it makes me realize that, you know, we could obsess and, you know, try to perfect what we're writing and never put it out because it's not going to change the world. And, you know, if Robert Jordan had done that and didn't put his books out there, that person who, you know, was going through that tough time wouldn't have had that book to comfort them in that way. So uh, what is the reason we write? What, why do we put it out there? Um, you know, it doesn't – it can change the world, but what does it mean to change the world? <laughs> That's know, kind
0: of- this this makes me – I feel like we are circumventing a sort of central point. Uh, which might come off as a little bit crass, but in my opinion, it's actually like a huge weight lifted off of uh, my shoulders. But that is, we should stop taking ourselves so seriously. Mm, yes. You know what I mean? We, especially as writers, I mean, I think a great way to do it is to look at satire. Um, like read McSweeney's is fantastic. Uh, follow the Twitter account at Guy in your MFA, and look at how these satir excellent satirical writers present the uh, pr- present this archetypical writer with a capital W, and like it's okay to have fun and write and write things that you think are cool and have dragons that spit rainbow fire. Like whatever you want to do, um, a, you don't have to change the world. All you have to do is make somebody have a feeling. It can be happy, sad, scared, uh, aroused, whatever it is that you want. Um, and if it's in the framework that's been told before, that's also fine because we watch the same movies over and over again. Right.
2: Mm. -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, to kind of pull us back to the original topic here it's all been done before or has it uh on the topic of movies like i was thinking um what are the big blockbuster movies that come out every year they're basically the same things that come out year after year after year like i mean there's a marvel franchise but if you look at any sort of major blockbuster film it's basically the same story structure like There's some obstacle to overcome. There's fight scenes. There's big uh, stars in it, and it reaches reaches a satisfying conclusion. Whereas, if you have a movie that's a little bit more quirky, a little bit more original, doesn't really fall into that stereotype of what a blockbuster movie should be, then that movie doesn't really do well, usually. And so, it's kind of the same with books. Readers, more or less want to read the same story over and over again, just told slightly differently. Um, There are, of course, exceptions to everything I've just said. Um, But a book that's truly unique generally doesn't do that well. Um, And so like I'm also thinking of romance author Nora Roberts, who's written over 200 novels now. I can guarantee you that they are pretty much all the same story structure. Different characters, different location, slightly different plot, probably about the same story over and over again. But people eat them up mm-hmm. um, because we crave the familiar, I think.
1: And something I would I would throw out there, too, um, is, you know, if you're, if you're as a, if you are as a writer, I mean, I agree that we should just have fun. We should not take it so seriously and go in there and do the work and let it let the work come out um but if you are concerned about wanting to say something with your writing um it's about recognizing that that's a process that's not necessarily something that's going to be bottled up in one book um it'll come out through the process of you coming back again and again and writing stories having fun and discovering what you love about it and that is going to come out through your voice through your stories you tell whether it's comedy whether it's Heavy-duty, serious stuff. Whether it's dark things, whether it's action, you are you are saying something to the world, and your readers are listening to your stories. And and as long as you tell the story true and you really get to the why of why you're writing it, that's really all that's going to matter. Um, you know, make sure this, make sure the story is complete, and you didn't just rush it off. Um, but you know, you don't want to you don't want to spend your life perfecting something. Because in a sense, you'll just kill it if you
2: do that.
0: Yeah, so we're at right about halfway. So I'm going to interrupt us for our uh, reading recommendation. And this time I have the book for you guys to read. It is called uh, Storyteller. Uh, Its subtitle is something along the lines of 27 years of experience with the Clarion Writers Workshop. Uh, It is by author Kate Wilhelm, who was one of the... Uh, first instructors for Clarion and if you don't know what Clarion is it's a six week uh, short story science fiction and fantasy writing intensive class that uh, consistently churns out successful writers um, and this, the book is fantastic she tells stories about the experience of teaching at Clarion uh, in the late 50s through the 60s Like this thing has been going for a very long time Uh, but she also peppers the book with, uh, great tips on writing and a central theme of hers in, at one point actually really inspired me, which it was basically, so what if it's already been told? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I, I think that's just a really great outlook, um. It's called Storyteller. It's by Kate Wilhelm, and I will include a link to it in the liner notes. So we're uh, going to jump back into this notion of of originality, I suppose, which is really at the core of this. Um, what is it? Like, should we throw away a book because it isn't original? Is it not worthwhile because it's not going to be a blockbuster? What do you guys think?
2: Um... Uh, my mm, my choice to continue reading a book or to stop reading it is based entirely on am I enjoying this book I've had this really weird coincidence that happened has happened two or three times now where I'm reading books from completely different genres and they have the exact same plot point it's And, like, I read them at the exact same time. It was really strange. Um, I read a James Rollins thriller. I can't remember the name of it right now. And I read um, one of the Alex Rider novels by Anthony Horowitz, which is a young adult novel series, like, for the ages 8 to 12 age range. I was reading both of them at the same time. They had the exact same plot point in that uh, an evil genius wants to, I think, poison the world by using genetically modified crops that have some sort of retrovirus put in them. Um, And then it had to do, both books had to do with the uh, seed vault that is in like the Northern European countries that store seeds in the case of uh, global like disasters so that we have these seeds to renew our food source. And so like both books, exact same plot point. I read them at the exact same time, but I kept reading reading both of them because they were both told so well, um, and they both took the plot point in slightly different directions. Yeah,
1: my my experience, uh, like there's something that I could, like the last two fiction books I read, uh, one was Leviathan Wakes, and the other one was... um, American Gods. Actually, I didn't finish American Gods by I guess Neil Gaiman, for those who aren't familiar with it, and Leviathan Wakes is by S.A. Corey. James S.A. Corey. James S.A. Corey. I'm glad you're here.
0: It's actually now a show on Sci-Fi called The Expanse, for those of you who are big fans.
1: It was just great. And I think the next season's coming out in a month or two. So, um... Yeah, so... What what I noticed about that, I mean, uh, I read much slower. I recently sort of rebooted my my reading routine, um, but what I noticed is *Leviathan Wakes*. There was a sense every time I opened the book, like it had something that I wanted to get, and I have to get through this book to get that. And I kept reading. With American Gods, I didn't feel that. I I found instead that every day I opened it up, I enjoyed what I read, but I felt like I could have stopped at any time. So I got to page two hundred and I stopped. Um, and I think that you know that'll vary from book to book. Um, you know, so so you know I could have chosen to read that book because I want to just say I read the complete book and I could re- I could write a coherent review about it, and I could anal- am- analyze what worked and didn't work um but i i don't read like that i i you know i i feel like if there's not a sense that this book has something to give me i won't read it and that doesn't have to be a message it's just an experience there's something really cool going on in the case of leviathan wakes it's just the immersa it is being pulled into that brilliantly envisioned world where mars and earth and the asteroid belt have become like the equivalent of you know, Russia, U.S. and all the major world powers and, and what they do with that. Uh, it's that the, the intrigue it itself pulled me through. And, you know, I didn't come out of there with a different view about how the world works. I just I was kind of transformed. My imagination went somewhere that was really neat and changed a little bit how I think about the world. And that to me is good
2: enough. And it's also reader perception, because, I mean, I read the same book. Um, I didn't get the sort of U.S., Russia, other world powers feel to it. I just kind of read along to for the intrigue aspect, because there's this, uh, well, I don't want to say too much, but there's certain events that happen that are really weird, and that was what pulled me along, and I totally missed everything that John just said. <laughs> that's,
0: that's actually a really cool point. Um, and we... Are like almost at time, um, mm-hmm. so I, I I did have one kind of final thought um, that you uh, reminded me of vis a vis like quality of writing or reading the same story at the same time, um, and I have a guilty pleasure. I love reading Dan Brown. Um, <laughs> you can make oh, of me if you want. I've read some of his. Stuff, I, I want to read good. his
1: stuff. I haven't read his stuff yet, but I will. So...
0: He just kind of tells the same story, especially the Robert Langdon novels. He just tells the same story over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a hot young scientist or doctor or Frenchwoman is scared and the world needs his help. And some piece of art is the clue. Um, and he deciphers it using his brilliant linguistic mind. And then some nefarious guy is stopped in his nefarious deeds. And it is the same story every time with different puzzles. Um, And it, the writing, I don't think, is very strong. I've never thought of Dan's, Dan Brown as a particularly strong writer. He uh, certainly knows how to write bestsellers, though, because it's just a compelling story to read. It's fun. Uh, and that is that's, that's that notion of familiarity. That is me being like, yeah, I know what's going to happen here. I'm going to open this book. There's going to be some weirdo, either tattooed or an albino guy or whatever it is, and he's going to do something weird, and I'm going to be hooked. Let's do it. So, you know, uh, and I think that's totally okay. It's actually a lot of fun. Um, Not every reading experience has to be world shattering. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: In fact, I don't think they should. I think that reading can be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you guys have any final thoughts before uh, we let John give his homework to our listeners?
2: Uh, I just want to kind of build on something you just said. Uh, Not every read has to be world shattering. My experience has been books that are meant to be world shattering come off as kind of bland and uninteresting and it's the ones that are written purely for entertainment but they do something super creative with it that ends up being world shattering for me so like the orphans legacy series by robert butner it's like a standard military sci-fi stuff but the fifth book just absolutely blew my, blew my mind um, and it was world shattering like I was dazed for about half a week or so after finishing that and I mean it was just it was really good but it wasn't meant to be world shattering whereas when you read something when I read something that's meant to have that power it comes off as kind of half-hearted
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah I think that's good I don't really have anything to add so why don't I just give my exercise here.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Um, so this is actually taken from another great writing craft book that I, I would recommend to any writer. It's called The Art of Character by David Corbett. Um, and so this is kind of based on that. Uh, he talks about how to find great characters uh, and how to sort of connect to them, uh, having a great character cast and, and probe the depths of them. And one of the topics in there is... Originality of your story idea. So, what what I'd like you to do for this exercise is um, think about movies, uh, because we've all. I mean, we might have read a lot of books, but we've definitely all seen more more movies than we've read books. I'm sure. So, try to brainstorm a list of all the movies you could remember seeing. And then for each of those movies, try to write down what it was that you really liked about those movies. Like what, like could be a certain element or something that caused you to have a certain reaction within that list. Now try to organize and look for patterns. Um, See uh, in particular um, the ones that made you cry or feel angry, uh, feel amazed or stirred. These are, you know, like, And what was it specifically that caused that reaction? Um, So the idea being by putting that on the list and organizing it, you might start noticing some patterns and elements of stories that really resonate with you. And now finally think about the stories that you either have written or that you would like to write and look at that list um, from the movies and are some of those things in your stories. And if not, how could those things get worked into your stories? And this is this is a good exercise just to help you put stuff that really means something to you as a writer into what you're writing, which is the most important part, I think.
0: All right, you heard the man. Um, with that, we're going to close out the episode. Thank you so much, and we will be back next week.